Hey, welcome to Witch Please Radio, episode number 39. Um, this week, our guest is filmmaker, filmmaker Mike Marinuk, and I'm Sam. I'm here with John, and hey. neither of us were actually on the episode. Right. Um, I'm still kind of on a bit of a hiatus from the show. I'll be back soon, and uh, you just weren't. I didn't even know that this was happening. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Rob replaced both of us, uh, you know, for now, for this show with, uh, with Pipskid, who um, was actually a guest on a previous show. He was on number 26 as a guest, but now he's filling in as like a fill-in host when we need him. I think Rob's intending on uh, asking him to do a few more, which is great because he sounds really good on the show, and uh, there's definitely like a rapport between these guys. Um, Mike, the guest, he actually shot um, a music video for Pipskid's I Never Knew, mm-hmm. which Rob has a songwriting credit on too. So it's like they've all obviously worked together before and stuff. So yeah. it's uh, it's good. The, the theme that they talk about is Soldier, which is again with a randomly generated, um, random word generator thing. So they, there's a lot of rap on this episode, <laughs> which is, you know, it's a lot, a lot of Ghetto Boys. <laughs> so if you like the Ghetto Boys, you should listen to this. And if you haven't heard the Ghetto Boys. If you haven't heard the Ghetto Boys. I mean, true, yeah. yeah. No, there's lots of good stuff on it though. It's, it's a good episode. And um, uh, other than the music video, Mike has done a lot of uh, kind of psychedelic, films as far as i understand uh he was involved in that uh death by popcorn thing which i didn't i didn't realize which is just this crazy video uh, about the winnipeg jets that they they got from uh dumpsters basically he tells a good story about it on the show so nice. i would say suggest listening to that uh, he has a vimeo page and you just type in his name on vimeo mike marinuk well marinuk was that m-a-r-y-n-u-k yeah, i think there's an i in there too you know what if you're down if you're listening to this you've either downloaded it or it's automatically appeared in your itunes either way it's going to say his name there there you go so, you know, it's one of those names with the weird spellings and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, check them out there. Um, and uh, you can check out our show on uh, UMFM 101.5 on Monday nights at 11 p.m. And you can also listen to that online if you're not in Winnipeg at umfm.com or just go to the archives page on witchpolice.com where you can get all the previous episodes and download those or stream them for free. And we're on social media, facebook.com slash witchpoliceradio. And uh, Twitter, we're at at witchpolicefm. Rob's at Rob Crooks and robcrooks.com. And yeah, episode 39. Hey, here we go. Almost number 40. Matt.
so this is uh, Witch Police Radio. Um, my, I'm Rob. I'm here today with uh, a guest who's never been on the show, and also someone who's been on the show as a guest before, but isn't here as a guest today, is, is here as a guest host. So our guest host is Patrick Skeen. I never you didn't put it like that before. I feel pressure. Hi. Well, I told you you were going to be a guest host. Yeah, no, I know. But... Okay, so you're prepared, right? <laughs> <laughs> you came with songs? <laughs> Hi. And uh, yeah, John and Sam, the other regular hosts, can't be, can't be here today. Um, Patrick is kind of taking the place of Sam while Sam has his second child. And uh, John just is somewhere else doing something weird, I'm sure. Um, so our guest today is uh, Mike Marinick, local filmmaker. Um, from what I've seen, he's one of my favorite local filmmakers. And uh, yeah, you want to say hi, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. We got some snacks here. This is some whiskers. Uh, <laughs> temptations. Temptations, yeah. Great. Halfway through the show, when you guys are kind of like dulling down, I'm just gonna take the bag. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, so yeah, so like I said, Mike's a filmmaker. Um, I think the first time I saw your work was probably when you did the "I Never Knew" video for Pip's Kid. Um, then I saw your couple of your short films, which blew my mind. They were fucking insane, and I wish I had been on mushrooms when I saw them. But uh, where tell the people where they can see your stuff and what kind of stuff you've done in the past, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I do these kind of like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, um, yeah, they're kind of like semi-psychedelic documentaries and just kind of like experiments and weirdness and yeah, I have a Vimeo page with about, you know, two-thirds of my work on there and uh, probably like, I made this film called Cattle Call, which is about the art of cattle auctioneering. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because that one was... That, that's like specifically what I was thinking when I said like I saw a movie of yours that blew my mind. That movie was so crazy. Like what what was the deal with that? Where did you get that done and shit? <laughs> yeah, well, we had to, we, we applied for money to this like, Bravo had this program where you had to be like uh, paired up with like an avant-garde artist. And so we made this whole long pitch about how cattle auctioneering was actually the Manitoba's, you know, provincial art form. <laughs> and they totally went for it. And so, yeah. And so we just kind of tracked down these, these auctioneers and we, you know, headed straight for Brandon and then to... Uh, Keystone Center. <laughs> that's right, yeah. We saw the uh, Frasier auctioneers there. And then there was this auctioneer that I grew up with and... Uh, you know, as a kid, it was like kind of like going to some sort of, I don't know, um, alien convention. I didn't know what anyone was talking about at these like auctions, right. right? Those were like junk auctions. And this auctioneer sold, there was a story in my family. He sold uh, my grandpa this oven that, that he was, my grandpa was bidding against my grandmother. They were on different sides of the room. <laughs> and they said, well, we're only going to spend, you know, $100. And they bid each other up to $200. They could have gone up for it's like $25. A, it's like a sitcom. It is. <laughs> In a weird way. Maybe that's coming. Uh, so that's on your Vimeo page? It is, yeah. yeah. And then you also did the uh, Death by Popcorn, the Jets documentary, which is... Yeah, it was with the same same folks. Yeah, yeah Death by Popcorn, it's this... Uh, it's which was this, banned. 
It was. Well, you know, it, it actually led to... We, we, we were going to get sued by CTV. The president of CTV Canada came to... Uh, <laughs> he came to uh, assess our assets in Winnipeg. So we brought him to a wagon wheel <laughs> restaurant. And, and five of us piled into one of their little booths. And as he had, like, his... You know, we were eating all eating clubhouse sandwiches. He had mayonnaise, you know, up to his ears, and he he kind of like I don't know what they put in that sandwich, but he kind of looked at us all doe-eyed and was like, "I think you guys are all right. I think I understand you. You guys don't have any money, right? We, we certainly did not and do not." And he said, "Okay, well, if you're not going to make any money off this, it's fine." Yeah, and so that's kind of what happened there. It was a film about the the Winnipeg Jets and. Winnipeg's kind of uh, relationship with itself. And, Long uh, before the Jets came back. Yeah, it was actually on the... Or was, any word of it. That's right, yeah, that, that's that's true. And before YouTube as well, because we had to source all those clips out of a dumpster. And the story was that we, uh, you know, we backed up the truck to uh, CTV as, or CKY Studios as they were moving downtown. And they were throwing out the city's, the city's audiovisual archives, essentially, right? Mm -hmm which there's still no value on like moving images of a city. So we thought that these should be preserved somehow. And we, so we preserved them and then we started watching them. Now a lot of the tapes were about, you know, the Winnipeg Jets and Burton Cummings, you know, putting on a jock. And so there's like some comical stuff. I mean, we're not like, who are, the, who are those two like uh, announcers with like Darren, Dredger or whatever. Yeah, one. and uh, Gene Principe. Like the, some of the times when those guys are talking game. to each other, like wow, it's so insane. <laughs> I can't believe. Like, was that shit like outtakes or was it on TV? Like, some of it was insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I don't know. Doing like a call-in radio show in Winnipeg, I think is like I still listen to like post-game shows from like Jets games and people call in and they're still like saying like. Man, like one one guy just said, all he said was, "Man, they lost." I don't know what the score was, and he just kept saying over and over. You could tell that he was shaking his head right. on the radio. But what's that movie with Patton Oswalt where he, he calls into the? He's a Giants fan, and he calls into the. Yeah, with the, there's a Rappaport in that. Yeah, Michael Rappaport's the the, the Su Philadelphia Super fan. No, some, what is it? It's Sorry. something like that. Yeah. That's movie. a sad movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that. Uh, okay, well let's uh, let's Emma, get... and uh, you also you also have shot tons of music videos for uh, Winnipeg's finest. Oh yeah, I think yeah, 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 yeah. Some really good stuff. So look for Mike Marinick on the internet. <laughs> Watch out! What are some of the but music you... videos you've done? Like you did Pipskid, I never knew you did Alytics one, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, the... ring my alarm. All right. right. The, I, the yeah. one with the ice cream trucks. The Dickie D's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, who else? A couple, yeah, boats. Royal Canoe. I did a couple of videos for them. I did a video for Boats. I did a bunch of like stuff for the D-Rangers back in the day. This band, Ham. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, I did some stuff for this guy. Andrew, Smoky Tiger. Uh, yeah. Right. I don't even necessarily know. I should get a... Tattooed list. You should. <laughs> Just like keep track. So look for that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, today's, uh, the theme for today's episode is Soldier, which uh, when I, like we do it all on, um, 
a random word generator on the internet. And when Soldier came up, I was kind of not really into it because, like, we'd already done, like, similar themes. And I think some of my best Soldier songs I already played. And uh, I just felt like uh, it was, like, another one of the same. But it turned out I got some good songs to play. And how did you guys find the theme? Yeah, for me, it was... Um... It was good, but but challenging, and also you don't want to like you didn't want it to be too mainstream as well. It was a little frustrating because my first idea was to do this, find this song about uh, Donnie Lalonde that was made by Joey Gregorish of Skittlebits fame. I was actually hoping you were going to play that song because I have this song, the Jet song, and one of the lines in it is about how. Like, they showed a photograph of my cat on CTV, and it yeah. was Joey Gregorich who was the one who was holding my the picture of my cat. And he sent, when he sent me the picture back, he sent me, like, a letter like telling me about what a nice cat, like, Cleo looked like and shit. I probably had that thing till I was, like, 16. It might even be, it might even be somewhere in my parents' house. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I could find was uh, this, yeah, like, learning. really... Mm-hmm. Weird. This really upbeat number about driving the bus in Winnipeg, and uh, <laughs> it's like it's like go on and drive the bus. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's, it's like a play on uh, Yellow Submarine, and uh, he gets a bunch of like bus drivers. It's a music video as well. A bunch of like dancing bus Winnipeg <laughs> Winnipeg bus drivers. Like transit bus drivers. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. That's the, the best thing I could find to do with that. But the song... They're just, like, dancing behind those, like, protective, like, plastic protective shoes. Yeah, no, it was, this is, like, circa 84, so... Uh, there was no reason for protective <laughs> shoes. Was, that's right. No one got stabbed on the bus in yeah, 1984. Yeah. There's only three routes. Just that's... nerf seats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the song was Golden Boy, and it was about Donnie Lalonde, and it was kind of a play on Soldier Boy, the the song. Uh, and you know, it was really interesting because I remember watching, watching. I probably was like ten or twelve at the time, and for some reason, I was kind of interested that you know Donnie Lalonde was going to be taking on Sugar Ray Leonard, and you know, I, I remember one person saying like. We're just one punch away from being like what everyone is talking about. And they weren't even. This is like a, a, it was this reoccurring theme that I've discovered going through like the city's audiovisual archives is they don't even necessarily care how the person does. It's how Winnipeg does. It's mm. like Donnie Lalonde was like second fiddle. It's like if he like knocks out Sugar Ray Leonard, all you're going to be hearing is people saying Winnipeg this, Winnipeg that. <laughs> Should I be investing in Winnipeg? You know, Winnipeg stocks are going to go through the roof, anyways. So yeah, the evening news on CKY they showed this music video that uh, that Joey Gregor had made, and uh, it it kind of goes like, "Golden boy, this is your night." Winnipeg boy, <laughs> this is your night. And then there's like a whole chorus of like kids singing like. Golden boy. <laughs> so it's like super sweet. And it's like you can tell that Joey Gregorish is somehow like thinking about his like comeback in this song and how it's gonna be played throughout the United States leading up to this fight and Wow. Uh, yeah, and so most, most like locally grown, like insular song that 
no one would understand outside of Winnipeg, right? Yeah. So when I was looking, for, I, I did some research on this, or and you know, at the, around the same time, he had put out a few years earlier this like wedding song, and it had got wedding really... boy. <laughs> this is your night. You're gonna get laid. <laughs> Anyways, he had, the quote in the free press was that seventy thousand people had listened to it. And which is like, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of small potatoes, but I, I think it does well for him. Also uh, bullshit. Yeah. Where yeah. does he get those numbers? Well, I know. People have listened to it. That's like a conveniently vague kind of description. Like, yeah, you know, we played this in public for like three days in like put downtown. It on, put it on outside of Sev. Yeah, exactly. Right. People have heard it. <laughs> yeah. Was Joey Gregorich like some sort of trying to be like a pop sensation or was he just he, like a like a television personality he started out as a ukrainian pop sensation really yeah i had no and idea he, yeah he was kind of like a poor man's uh i, I don't know uh you know one of, the, one of the like younger kind of higher pitched voice singers of the like 60s and i think really? he had yeah he had one hit what the heck was it i forget what it was called i mean i don't have his records at home that I can just go through and uh, must be verify this. Oh yeah. I should play that song like at the beginning of the episode. Play the bus one. That, that's the one that's, okay. uh, that, that'll get everyone. That'll get them hooked for sure. I'll <laughs> get everyone all riled up. Alright, so you're, you're not playing the Donnie Lalonde song. No, I, I couldn't find it. I, I When we were doing Death by Popcorn it's, uh, we also kind of got in touch with all of these like kind of manic television tapers. People who would tape like people, literally, people who had tapes that would say like April twenty first, nineteen eighty four, April twenty second, nineteen eighty four, April twenty third, like all these tapes. They would just tape everything that was interesting that day. Right. And uh, yeah, they didn't they didn't have it or didn't remember the song. So, you know, another time. Right. Okay. Well, uh, what song are you gonna play instead? Maybe you can start us off. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I. Uh, all right, so I guess fast, fast backwards is that a term? Sure, let's just say it is. Rewind. That's called that's, rewind. <laughs> yeah, that's right. For someone who just like went on and on about VHS tapes, I couldn't <laughs> think of the term rewind. <laughs> yeah, I even had I I had one of those like uh, those like Ferraris that you could stick the tapes in. They were like rewinders yeah, yeah it's like so useless right but people would like not want to rewind their tapes because they would want to like keep their the heads of their vhs uh clean this i don't know yeah so uh, i made uh, i made right around the time i quickly i will uh i, I was going to go to the Uni university of winnipeg to uh, uh take a film studies class there around the same time i got a phone call from them and uh I, I they said uh, hey would you like to teach uh, the like film one uh, like uh, tutorial like camera tutorial stuff and are you like and, a, did you go to film school no I, well this is kind of this is kind of what happened to me as I, I was about to go to like the U of W and uh, how long ago was this this would have been uh, 2001-2002. So you, had you made films? Yeah, I'd made two films before. Okay. I'd made this like uh, film called The Spawn of Pickerel Ron, which was about a, uh, the, a this, this like uh, revenge, this pickerel, this giant pickerel takes revenge at this like pickerel caviar party and he like 
uh, spawns into this like pickerel caviar. People eat it, and these fish jump out of their chest. It's a real uh, family, run. family friendly film. Anyway, yeah. So um, I had uh, now I was like kind of like teaching these like classes with people, and the Iraq War started. It was uh, eleven o'clock. And uh, it was kind of the George Bush gave the 48-hour countdown to uh, the war. And uh, I think we watched it at about 10, 10.50 or something like that. And I knew at 11 o'clock they were going to rebroadcast it. So we had extra film in the camera. And I, I said, okay, I'm going to shoot this. I shot it off of the TV. And I was like, I'm going to make uh, this anti-war film. And, uh, you know, I was listening to a lot of... You know, like I was into like Pat's music and, uh, you know, all the peanuts and corn stuff that was happening at the same time. And, uh, yeah, I was kind of emboldened by like a community of, uh, you know, people who were totally fine with speaking out against, uh, you know, <laughs> the world that we live in, I guess. And another, another band was uh, the D-Rangers. They had this song that they recorded right around the same time called A Rock Around the Clock. And it was kind of a spin on uh, Rock Around the Clock. And that's uh, eventually the song that I used in, in the film as well. So Okay, well, let's uh, get into it. It's called A Rock Around the Clock by the D-Rangers. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, you rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, you rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, you rock. We got to rock around the clock tonight. Well, the polls are in. Shed your skin and around for
Okay, so that was um, E Rock Around the Clock Tonight by the D Rangers. And uh, yeah, so how, so you're saying that you use that song in your film? Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, it was, it was a, uh, I don't know, it's the weirdest time of like, uh, of my life almost was like that time because the, the film was really, did really fairly well. And all of a sudden, you know, I was, in all these like hyper political uh, conversations with oh, yeah. like people all, all around the world, a little poli sci students. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I wasn't, you know, cut out for it, but uh, you know, I learned an enormous amount about the, <laughs> the world we live in. It's so it's just interesting, this kind of like the way that you kind of. Uh, Do you think Bush flew the plane into the towers? <laughs> yeah. Well. I mean, the thing is, if you look really close at that uh, that footage, you see a saddle on top of it. On top of what? On top of the plane. No, and I'm a just... little man. <laughs> okay, that's like with a cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Doctor Strange love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you were saying, like, you were talking about how at that time you were listening to a lot of like the local music, like the P and C stuff, and you you were kind of like. Just surrounded by people who were who were not afraid to say something and like and had a message in their art. Like, do you think that's something that you see today? Like, because I never even really thought about it today. But if if you think about it, like PNC and other groups at the time seem to have like political content in their music. Whereas, like, are there really bands around today in Winnipeg that have a lot of political content? Uh, I don't. No, I mean, I don't see it, but maybe I'm not necessarily looking in the right spots, but yeah, uh, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I started, you know, thinking about this a little bit and reflecting on that and uh, it's strange, you know, it's sometimes not a, it's, it's like, take, it takes something like really kind of overt. Yeah, like, it's, it's not as a political time, I guess, as it was back then, right? Because like everything on the surface right now seems okay. Right. Everyone's kind of a little upset, I'm sure, about... But obviously, you know, they, yeah, they didn't just have a terrorist attack on America of that scale like they did back then, right? Where where maybe that affected something of that of that nature, of, like had an effect on on even the most apolitical people, right? Whereas things are, I think, actually way worse now. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and things are so much more fucked. Uh, also. Like the young, I think young people making music, it's, there's, uh, you know, things are just different. Your influences, like, uh, when we grew up reading books and, and being, you know, bands that were, were aggressive and different. And then where, where is all that now? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think all that there's a big chunk of that lacking, and you know where like I mean, it's a dumb, a dumb story, but uh, Ian Mackay being cool with uh, Urban Outfitters selling Minor Threat shirts finally because he's just like that. Urban Outfitters is the first uh, official Minor Threat shirt available to the public. And why is he cool with that? So he just says he's just tired of it. And like, so he says, someone's going to do it. So he might as well just have some. And then, and then when he asked about the $28 price tag, he's like, well. Does he get some of that? I I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. 
But the funny poet pride, he's like, that's what kids want to pay for t-shirts, so whatever. That's that's, a, but which is so crazy. But like working with like uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to name names or whatever, but get it. I, as many videos as I make for like local artists, I probably get two or three emails for each video that I make saying, I'd like to make a video, blah, blah, blah. I heard you can do stuff cheap. <laughs> or, or someone told me that this video costs 40 bucks. That's great. You know, but it's, it's someone who I'm, I'm just not familiar with and stuff like that. And I've had some like back and forth to kind of like, you know, kind of figure out where they're coming from. And on two occasions, you know, they had mentioned that they they wanted to like at some point license their music and that this is the way that they were going to make a few bucks off of their art mm-hmm. and that they didn't they didn't want to have certain things in the music video or they didn't want to like do things a certain way. And so I think that that, you know, just to answer your kind of question before about do I see kind of like, you know, or do I hear music that is kind of like taking on or challenging the world that, or the, the what's bad in the world or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think that that's one of the, the big <laughs> reasons, sadly, is that, you know, people are really scared about licensing or that their image, right? Do you think, but do you think it has more to do with the fact that, like in like people who were starting to play music in the 90s and before they were like music wasn't as accessible the technology to make music wasn't as accessible and there weren't these big huge pop stars that were so in in your face as much as they are now so that kids are more influenced to become like quote unquote pop stars or rock stars because it's so available to them and they're not really worried about a message and an art like their art form like I just feel like maybe it's always been like this but if if it feels like so many people just want to make you know the music because something they see on YouTube or something they see on television and like you were saying like they just want to license it right so they want to they want to lower their overhead by paying you 40 bucks to make a video for them and then they want to go make you know and their standards like Everyone's worried about, everyone uh, is worried all the time about how their image, because there's fucking cameras on people at all times. It's like you can't just go in and do something and act like a fucking shithead. Yeah. Or or try something out anymore. And, like, you're going to have a thousand comments about what a fucking dingleberry you are. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's nothing more sadistic in the world than like the world of YouTube and Winnipeg free press, you know, comments. Uh, yeah. Anyone who thinks like racism is dead, just go read the free press comments. <laughs> yeah. And or, you know, know, like CBC. Even yeah. It's the two like, you know, quote unquote, like lefty kind of news organization. Yeah. It, it's funny. And it's funny that you kind of brought up the minor threat uh, shirt thing. Cause when I was thinking about songs, one of the ones I kind of really wanted to play and, you know, maybe should have was Holiday in Cambodia by the Dead Kennedys because that song actually also was used in a Levi's ad and ultimately was the kind of death of the Dead Kennedys because they had a falling out uh, about it and, you know, Joe Biafra was, 
you know, uh, didn't like the idea that they were going to, you know, get that they were going to use this song to sell jeans with and like to a company with like questionable like practices and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, that's such a juicy kind of onion that uh, I don't think anyone's ever used the term juicy onion before. No, I'm just going to look at it. I think they have layers. I don't know how I feel about it. Juicy onion. (laughs) So so many layers of of moisture. Um, Well, to go into kind of what we were saying, it kind of leads into the song I want to play. Because I want to play a Ghetto Boys song called uh, Fuck a War. And um, I was I was riding in my parents' car the other day, and they have satellite radios. I was listening to um, Backspin, that old-school hip-hop station on satellite radio. And they were interviewing Willie D, which was so awesome. And uh, Willie D was talking about how all these rappers on the radio today, they all sound the same because, you know, there's... They all have the same producer. It's like there's five producers on the radio, and there may be twenty different rappers, but it's all like the same producers. And like just li- listening to like uh, Ghetto Boys just for the past couple of days, because I was just like listening to some of their songs and and reading up about them. And it's crazy about how weird they were. Like for I mean, it wasn't weird back then because every group that came out in the '80s was kind of weird in their own way. But like the fact that they were like so hard and they came from like one of the craziest places in America and they're just rapping about how they're paranoid and how they, they're suicidal and like it's it's you know you never hear like a rap song today like unless you're fucking Eminem or something but like you know like the, the next big group coming out of the states hip hop group is not going to be rapping about wanting to kill themselves you know well, and Ghetto Boys were a boy band like, like they, they were put, put together. together by the label, yeah. But uh, also, like there's that story about Scarface and Willie D getting in an argument, and then Willie D coming into a, a club night uh, with a shotgun and sh- shooting at Scarface because he was upset. Oh and wow! Like, you know, like. Uh, the, the Ghetto Boys were like no one else. And and they were also picked up by Def Jam mm-hmm. or, or like American Def Jam. Def American, yeah. Def American, yeah. Which, you know, was Rick Rubin and, yeah. and, and that sort of thing, which like the, their second record got re- re-released or reissued. Yeah, like Rick Rubin did like remixed it all, right? And then put it out again? Yeah, I mean, there were some different songs and, and like um, that first song on that record, what's that, whatever. Anyway, yeah, and Ghetto Boys were like, Ghetto Boys were harder than NWA, and mm-hmm. like more. Sorry about that. More like insane and realistic. Yeah. So the the song "Fuck a War" that I'm gonna play, it's it's the only one rapping on it is uh, Bushwick Bill, and uh, you know Bushwick Bill's from Jamaica. He moved to. Uh, Bushwick, Brooklyn, that's how he got his name, right? And then the story, I always thought that he went from Brooklyn to Houston and then just he was in the original incarnation of the Ghetto Boys as a as a breakdancer. And um, apparently what happened before he moved to Houston was he moved to Minneapolis and was like a full-fledged youth pastor. He was, And his plan in life was to go to India and 
like teach the Bible. Now maybe this is just his revised history after he because he's since been reborn. So maybe that's just his own revised history. But uh, still pretty crazy. And so like yeah, he went to Houston and just got into drugs and 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 stuff and. Obviously, there's the famous story of him shooting himself in the face. And, uh, you know, that album cover came out with his eye hanging down his face, pretty Everclear much. Everclear is the name of the song. Because he drank so much Everclear. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah, so another interesting th- thing about them was the original uh, Ghetto Boys was uh, Willie D and some other guys. Sorry, not Willie D, uh, Bushwick Bill and some other guys. And uh, I guess, you know, the, the label dissolved the group, but they were originally called the G-H-E-T-T-O Boys. And they changed the name when Willie D and Scarface joined the group. They changed the name to G-E-T-O Boys. And um, I, I, read this, I read this somewhere on the internet a while ago, and I tried to, like, find it again so that I could, like, you know confirm it but I couldn't find it again but I remember reading about how the reason they changed their name from G-H-E-T-T-O boys to G-E-T-O boys was because there was they had a review of one of their songs or one of their concerts I can't remember which and the person reviewing them just said just went on and on about how ignorant they were and how dumb they were so they were like well fuck you then we're gonna be so fucking dumb that we spelled ghetto wrong just like as a big fuck you which I think is like pretty prevalent thing in hip-hop that a lot of people may not realize that like when hip-hop artists are spelling something the wrong way it's not because they're like they don't know how to spell it i mean maybe they do maybe they don't but it's because you know fuck your knowledge like fuck the you know quote-unquote white man's knowledge like we have our own way of thinking and we have our own way of doing things and no language yeah their own language and it's like it's pretty postmodern if you think about it. it's like you know you know, fuck your version of truth. We have our own version of truth. So, you, sorry, go ahead. Do you know Bushwick's uh, full full actual stage name? No, I had to. I I didn't remember as well. I had to pull it up. Actually, the Hip Hop Jeopardy. This I lost. I came in second place in Hip Hop Jeopardy in like whatever it was like fucking twelve years ago. That was uh, that at the Collective or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Aub from Art City beat me out. Oh, really? But the, uh, what is, or however you phrase Jeopardy. Anyway, uh, his full name is Dr. Wolfgang von Bushwicken, the barbarian motherfuck, motherfunky stay high dollar billster. <laughs> this is awesome. a mouthful. All right, well, let's, uh, with that. Uh, can I say one more thing? Of course. Uh, also, uh, during the Iraq War, yeah. I. In live shows, I covered this song uh, that you're about to play. It was the first rap song I ever covered. I think uh, I did. Maybe I did. I did. Fuck the police after that. MC Ren's first, but uh, and then Mira, because Tyler redid the beat for me out of the original samples, and uh, Mira, the the phone call at the start where he's getting called. To, to join the army. Yeah, yeah. Mira, Tyler's girlfriend at the time, who's an amazing photographer, and Mira Singh. Uh, she did the, she did the voice on the phone. And uh, cool. Uh, anyway, I it's maybe. Oh, that's why also I wanted to play it after your song because it's about an anti-war song, but about a different Bush. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is "Fuck a War" by the Ghetto Boys. 
Hello, can I speak with Bushwick Bill? Hello, this is Bushwick. Motherfucking Bill. Yes, sir. I'm calling to inform you that you've been uh, drafted into the United States military. The United States wants me for what? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Bushwick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yikes. Hey, right, what's up? You need to uh, contact your nearest recruiting office immediately, please. I see you're not hip to us, half men. I don't give a fuck about you and all that bullshit you're stressing. Fuck a war. So explain, let me kick it to you a little something like this. Motherfucker war, that's how I feel. Sending a nigga to the dentist to get killed. Cause two suckers can't agree on something. Thousand motherfuckers died for nothing. You can't pay me to join an army camp or any other motherfucking military branch of this United Goddamn States to that bitch America. Be a soldier at war. They put niggas on the front line. Can you 
So that was uh, Fuck a War by uh, Ghetto Boys. And uh, yeah, so we're saying off air that uh, Willie D probably wrote that verse because Bushwick Bill didn't uh, write his own stuff. Maybe he does now. Maybe the Christian stuff he does now, like the gospel music. Who knows? <laughs> Have you listened to that stuff? No. Yeah. You're not even curious? <laughs> no? no, I'm not going to listen to that. <laughs> and there, you know, there's just so much. There's. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Don't have the time. There were there were a lot of bad Bushwick Bill solo records that I could go listen to. Right. Some good ones too. Right. So um, another thing I was saying was uh, I was watching this interview with the Ghetto Boys from 1991 on MTV, and uh, how Bushwick Bill had a Chucky doll like attached to him like a baby, like a like a baby Bjorn or whatever those things were called. And he had his headphones on, and then when they started interviewing him, he takes his headphones off and puts it on the Chucky doll, which I thought was really wicked. And yeah, we're also just talking about how, you know, the Fab Five Freddy did that interview, and he went to Fifth Ward, where uh, Ghetto Boys are from in Houston, and, you know, they're walking on the streets, and that's just something that, you know, you're not going to see Rick Campanelli do anytime soon, which is, you know, it's a shame. Ugh. Uh. Well, well, Patrick, you guys have something related to this song, so why don't you why don't you go next? Yeah, uh, uh, well, Ghetto Boys are definitely one of my favorite groups. The they had a big influence on me for sure. Yeah, I noticed. Like, I got into the Ghetto Boys a little bit late um, in the game, and when I started listening to them, I realized how much. You were influenced by them, Pat, because like you have a lot of lines that are references to Ghetto Boys songs, right? Uh, yeah, I'm very heavily influenced by Ghetto Boys. Uh, I like I like political music, but i i don't I don't like political music that's towing the line or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Ghetto Boys, Ghetto Boys cross that line in so many ways. I mean, even that song "Fuck a War," like he's saying some crazy shit in that song. Because like, he's even saying like, "I'll bomb fucking Iraq and I'll blow that little piece of shit off the map," so that I don't have to, <laughs> so I don't have to pay high gas prices, right? Or, or waste time negotiating. Yeah, but uh, and then uh, I th- I think I think with political music, so many times uh, the the quality of the music gets gets bypassed so that people can hear the things that, that they want to hear. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, Dead Prez are a good example of that. And where, where uh, you know, like mine, their new record, whatever they added, like Mind Sex Part 2. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, didn't you guys, didn't you guys ever catch any sort of, like, weren't you... Wasn't like your sister in the coffee shop and and here like 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 a group of a hundred people making fun of that song like it didn't did you never get like did you not ever understand that that was the butt of everyone's joke for years <laughs> or whatever but like but yeah so political music I think can just be so corny and fucking phony so Ghetto Boys represented the I mean the Ghetto Boys were just so real. Yeah, it's almost like not necessarily. I don't think they were making political music, right? They were just angry. <laughs> right. They were making. They're making music about. Well, you know what's going on around them. And, yeah. 
and they're smart guys. And if you ever hear Willie D or Scarface be interviewed, Bushwick, uh, you know, as well. But like, like Willie D, Willie D's a crazy guy. Like, and he was like very a, well informed. He and he was like he he was making money so many different ways too. Like he was a real estate like. Was selling fake iPhones as well on eBay <laughs> yeah. or whatever. He got busted for that one. Right. He was a and he was a professional boxer for a brief period. He was a two pack impersonator on a couple of solo records. Uh, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like legitimately pretending to be Tupac? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 He uh, he knocked out uh, Melly Mel. At this, uh, there was like this. There was this hip hop boxing like match. And Freddie Fox was in it too, and uh, a bunch of other guys. Yeah, I wouldn't but, tangle with Willie D, man. No, fuck him. Willie D has that has that great song on one of the, the last Kettle Boys records, where he talks about how how uh, he how much of a punk you are. If, if you're if you have a nice car but you, you don't have air conditioning you have to drive your kids to school in your car right and like that's his sort of politics right like real real people shit yeah it's like uh, but yeah he got busted he went to jail for it I believe for selling fake iPhones yeah for for taking money and not ever sending the iPhone <laughs> uh, how long ago was this not that long ago a few years <laughs> I think he did a year or something. I don't. I don't remember totally. But uh, so I'm gonna play a Willie D song. Willie D. When Willie's first solo record came out, controversy, which the cover is so insane. Uh, you just you just immediately knew like Scarface had his. Scarface could tell a story. Beautiful storyteller. Willie D. Willie D. Could rant. And like scream and uh, and then his second solo record, like a soldier, which is, I think a rap rap is a classic rap record. Uh, it has the song "Fuck Rodney King" on it, uh, which is uh, Willie D is a Republican. What is the song "Fuck Rodney King" about? He was like, man, if you're going to be a little baby and cry about getting beat up, then fuck you. Uh, and the chorus is like, man, fuck Rodney King. Fuck him. Fuck him. Jeez. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> Whatever, right? He's just like, and his whole thing was like, he's That's whining insane. for money and all these things. And he's just like, stand up and be a fucking man. Uh, it's, it's the craziest song. There was, it was actually... I have like a single at home for for the for the song for this, like the cassette single. So this was a single, no less. <laughs> uh, going out with heavy rotation. Uh, our our word today on the uh, on the on the podcast is, is a soldier. And Willie D was a soldier. Anyway, the record called "I'm Going Out Like a Soldier." He's superimposed over the uh, White House. <laughs> Uh, and then on the back, the White House is burning to the ground. Uh, this record is insane. There's not one song that is not completely fucking mental. I, uh, a record, then this, you know, I was on Rapalot Records, it must have done okay. So like a record like this nowadays, like he, I don't know what happened, like, 
I don't know, this just wouldn't happen. No, I would, yeah, it's so far beyond what's happen. happening right now. Also, there's no track listing. Oh, there is there? No, there's no track listing on the back of the CD. It's just so well laid out. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, so we're going to listen to the title track. Uh, like a Soldier. I'm Going Out Like a Soldier. Which I think might be mixed so horribly. Mike Dean, also as a side note, sorry. Mike Dean mastered and like probably produced a bunch of this record. Uh, anyhow, Mike Dean, uh, people, Mike Dean is now like Kanye's main guy. Uh, he produced a bunch of the new Jay-Z record. On and on and on and on. Uh, Did he, was he the one who like started rap a lot or was he no 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 that's jay prince okay. jay prince's story we you could do like 10 radio episodes about jay prince but uh mike dean mike dean had mike mike dean's fingers have been all over rap for the last 20 years like like a lot of really amazing rap not that i like kanye or jay-z's new records because i don't but this shows you how far he's come right and and he's he's an unbelievable producer also, when you're when, if you're ever gonna fuck around with this record, the song "Die" is really good. I like that song a lot. Uh, yeah, this this album is insane. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. Cool.
not getting along with Bill, you and Scarface recently had a shootout, you left the Ghetto Boys and started your own record label because of greed, and have sold out your fans, give me this, to record a country western duo with Garth Brooks? I'm going out like a F-O-L-D-I-E. Yeah, Willie D, man. Fuck. Uh, uh, that, I mean, no, that that is one of the tamer songs on this record. Uh, what was that one? You ain't seen a motherfucker kill a motherfucker like Willie D, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, the, well, he says motherfucker and Willie D a few more times. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, Willie D, Willie D stands up for what, what, he, what he believes in. Uh, as that was playing, uh, we were going through the the liner notes, and uh, they have a full page questionnaire. Rap a lot. You get a uh, you get an autographed picture of Willie D if you return it. I would like I would like to return this. You should return it now. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I'll find the current Rap a lot uh, catalog and return this, and we'll see what happens. Uh, addressing you. Uh, so you know, regular stuff. What the what, what album you uh, you purchased, and and then uh, they they ask you what sort of TV shows you watch. Uh, do you watch? Uh, I'm gonna check Arsenio Hall for sure. Oh, there's like <laughs> options. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what, maybe David Letterman is the only Tonight Show and David Letterman are the only ones still running. I think Saturday Night Live. I guess. But who watches that crap? Uh, magazines that you read, um, uh, blah, blah, blah. What's the top three types of music? Do you own a cassette player, a VCR? What, what is your household income? It's always sad to answer that question. Right? Uh, what, what's your favorite brand of soft drink, car, athletic shoe, jean, music, record store, or fast food chain? And, you know, I, I remember when I was working in a bakery in Halifax in, in the early 2000s and, and this this guy, uh, this really great guy I worked with, because I would always play old school rap music. And one day he just like, he's like, man, is, he's, he's like, is all old school rap music just like a, an advertisement they didn't get paid for? <laughs> it's, you know, this EPMD or something, it's like, yeah. You're just hearing, I mean, all these similes and metaphors using 
Anyway, yeah. So <clears throat> yes, like we were saying, they they will probably want this this uh, questionnaire to be filled out so they know what products to promote in their wraps, right. which ones you can relate to. You can get Willie D busting wraps about a. I'm uh, whatever. I, I watch Arsenio Hall and I like <laughs> Pepsi Cola and uh, I have two tape decks in my house. Yes. Uh, and uh, oh, I like that question. Are you pleased with this tape? <laughs> and then at the end, uh, what type of condoms do you buy? <laughs> uh, why is that? Why is that in there? That seems really weird. And are says, they are they thinking about getting into the condom business too? Wrap a lot Jimmy hats. Why would you try? Would you try uh, the new Jimmy hats condoms? Right. <laughs> so I mean, there's obviously some like pretty. Fucking business-minded people behind rap a lot, rap. Oh yeah, Jay Prince was <laughs> Jay Prince was trying to push some some dubs, trying to push rubbers. That's funny. This is great use of that's space where, as well. That's where you get your autographs. <laughs> yeah, two two pages of empty emptiness. Anyway, uh, uh, I love Willie D. Death. Uh, I was glad. I was glad to play that song. Although one day we should do a like. Special or something. Yeah, we could dive that. into Willie D. We could do that. That'd yeah, be great. Really dissecting. Yeah, that was amazing. I'd like to do uh, a whole rap a lot episode. Yeah, play some gangster nip and and uh, a lot of weird shit happened on rap a lot. There was the mini Ghetto Boys, which I have the cassette of. I think they had a, the maybe two cassettes from them, but they they just same thing. They made a boy band out of. For those that don't know, Bushwick Bill is a, a midget. Is that the right term? No, it's not. It's not, but I mean, they know what you mean. Right. Uh, uh, they made another version of the Ghetto Boys, but all midgets. They were called the Little Ghetto Boys. And Was Bushwick Bill in it? No. One of them, I think the one, like, the, there was one white midget as well, and then there was, like, one midget had a giant python. I could be a little mistaken, but that's close. And they, <laughs> and they were fucking awful. I mean, obviously, most of the stuff on rap a lot was really bad. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, it's just surprising that the uh, the questionnaire doesn't ask about midgets. Yeah. Do Do you know a midget? <laughs> would you listen to a midget <laughs> rap? <laughs> If you saw a midget in the mall, would you talk to the midget? <laughs> would you watch Midget Arsenio Hall? <laughs> if you are a midget, do you buy condoms? <laughs> uh, there is also there is also this rap a lot record. Fuck me, I can't remember the rapper's name. He was way more normal than than a lot of the rappers, but he had. He had a dope. His first his first song just started with uh, all dope slang, and it, but it was just pig Latin, <laughs> and he ixnade and and whiz nod through the so ahead of his time that will ca- that will catch up and we'll just be like ten years from now people will be doing pig Latin all over like, like Esperanto or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it started and it's like it's like his his boy on the phone and he's like yo man. We can't have the cops are probably listening. We can't have the big lad, you know, X Nay on the on the cocaine can. How do we decode this? And then he just busts into like this full pig lad rap. 
It's, cra- it's fucking crazy. Well, I mean, it would be easy to rap answer. in pig Latin because everything ends in A, right? <laughs> everything rhymes in pig Latin. Yeah, it's mental. Wow. <laughs> it's, uh, it'd be like that song, Ha, you know, the juvenile song where everything... Ha is one of the best rap songs ever made. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's cuckoo. Yeah. Like it's, it, have you ever heard of Hull? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy, crazy what he's talking about too. Like he talks about like pedophiles in that song and like. He's, yeah, he's dropping signs. Yeah, like he's it's not crazy. Just, he's, it's like some of those Mystical songs where Mystical is is on some shit, but he's he's not saying anything. But he's a, he's on a flow and he's on some shit. But Juvenile is actually like dropping science. Well, he's album. a great rapper. Like he had that song, uh, he had that album that came out right after Katrina, which was pretty crazy. Like. I mean, there's like obviously not all of it was really great, but there's some crazy shit. Juvenile, Juvenile's good at rapping. He is. Which was, is which is sad that that's a that's a you know statement that has to be stamped on some people. Yeah. Juvenile gets good rap pass. You know they're they're uh, they've reformed the big timers with. Uh, Lil Wayne and Drake. Ugh. Yeah. Serious? I read that somewhere, and I I didn't know whether or not to take it seriously or not, but by all, like, it, it appeared as if that's what was happening. It's like Bun B, Lil Wayne and Drake. Uh, and Paris Hilton. <laughs> right. Ugh. That's sad. Yeah. Uh, For me. Uh, Mike, you want to play a song? Yeah, well, I figured, you know, uh, since uh, this song is, is is full of motherfuckers as well. And uh, yeah, it's uh, Nuclear War by Sun Ra. And uh, the line in it is, nuclear war, yeah, it's a motherfucker, don't you know? And that's really kind of almost the extent of the song. But uh what it's, more needs to be said? Yeah, <laughs> really. What uh, what's what's really great about this song for me is that uh, just the kind of it's it's one of the most relaxing songs you'll, you'll ever listen to, <laughs> and uh, about such a kind of weird subject. And you know, it, it's it's really interesting that this album like was came out in like the I think like the early '80s, and it really like. Columbia Records dropped it, and uh, it, it didn't really didn't really go anywhere for them uh, monetarily. But I, it's it's like a, it's really high, it's a highly sought after album, and it is like super super strange, but also like accessible. And uh, there's like spaces, the places on it as well. I think like Sun Ra for for me is like is like one of the like kings of of, of weirdos, right? Like uh, because he kind of believes his own, you know, the world that he's created around him. Like he's like kind of oblivious to well, not oblivious, but he's just really created his own kind of world that he lives in. You know? Like I heard a story. Um, take it for what you will. I mean, it's maybe hard to believe, but this is a story I heard that when he first started touring and needed to get the passport, they asked him where he was from and he said space. And the woman was like, no, where are you from? And he kept saying space. Like he refused to say anything but space until the 
until they put space on his passport. There's so no way they put space that's on a, his that's passport. That's a story of her. Like, yeah, it's right. probably not true, but I don't know. It might have been different in the 60s or whatever, whenever it was. <laughs> I don't know. I, my passport is, like, pretty dark, and, like, I, I I almost got refused entry because, like, the... We do live in post now. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I suppose so, but... No way he had space on his passport. I think he did. <laughs> Where, where's the no, internet? I'm serious, man. My brother, his Go cousin. Go to the internet and check. He has a photo of it. Anyway, uh, yeah, Sunrose fucking. Sunrose is the best. Yeah. So, yeah, Sunrose. Can you imagine how, if you were Sunrose A&R or whatever you were, like you were his middleman between the record label? How. how what a fucking awful job that must have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Like, not, yeah, like his, like the shitty business guy that has to like connect, connect his manager to the, to the label or whatever. It must have been so difficult. Uh, yeah, somehow, somehow made, even when, even in the, even in the nineties when he was making shitty orchestra music yeah. with a big band. He still dressed like like he was from space and had like weird purple extensions and like yeah and and the kind of e- the Egyptian kind of the whole thing I, like, so, some of his like some of the films that were made around him as well were unbelievable and like the special effects are like some of my favorite there's just so you know intensely bad but but good and like you know if I were to like run away and join a cult it would be like the, the Sunrazian cult <laughs> I, I, yeah I don't know I, I, I just uh, uh, I really like this song okay well, let's play it right. what's it called again? Nuclear War Your ass got to go. Your ass got to go. 
talking about. They're talking about nuclear, nuclear war. Talking about, talking about nuclear war. Nuclear war. Fire, fire, fire. Melting, melting. People, people. If they push that button, it's gonna blast you so high. It's gonna blast you so high. Up in the sky, right in the sky. You can kiss your ass. You can kiss your ass. Goodbye. Goodbye. Farewell. Farewell. Goodbye. Goodbye. Ass. It's a motherfucker. Don't you know? Don't you know? Yeah, so that was Sun Ra. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's awesome, I really liked it. It's uh, kind of a delightfully bleak little number. With, uh, but it's chill, like it's, it sounds like... It sounds like you're. You just relax when you hear. <laughs> no, I. That's kind of what's that's kind of what's really nice about it, uh, you know, to me, or, or why I like it is that, you know, you, you, when you get this kind of, uh, the idea of like the soldier, if you take it back to that, uh, you know, it's like, oh man, do I want to? Like, this is kind of a, kind of a, really hard kind of like time mentally to kind of like uh kind of a can of worms to kind of end you know reopen when you're like kind of doing like a hyper political stuff or you're kind of like have the piece of art or music that you're kind of like uh working with is kind of attracting that all the time and uh you know i, I i'm sure this is you know, something that you've come across, Pat, was, is like, at a certain point, you kind of like, uh, like to kind of graduate from that or uh, kind of move on with things. And this is kind of like a, this song kind of, uh, I can listen to this song and it reminds me of that kind of time period, but still is like, um, you know, a little bit zen or something like that, which is actually a word that I hate. So, uh, I'll file that next to like uh, juicy onions. I hate the word. <laughs> I hate the word zen too. Yeah, is there's a lot of words yeah. that I hate or uh, will we'll say that I hate? <laughs> yogurt. <laughs> yeah. Yoga. Acro yoga. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. I, there's. I, I was going through, or there was a bunch of. I wasn't going through garbage, but there was a bunch of garbage outside of my place, and someone threw out this like dog yoga calendar. And so what the hell are you going to do? It's like right on top. So I like flipped through like a few months. They were the most disgusting pictures I'd ever seen in my life. Just like dogs and Did yoga Did you say position? you were going through the garbage? Well, 
<laughs> I, I, I was, you know, one day I was walking by the garbage. <laughs> hey, but like I don't think I that the, the person, the person who took these pictures of this like dog yoga stuff, I don't think realized how kind of like, you know, perverse they were, and uh, but, you know, there's no reason to talk about it anymore. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I'll just yeah maybe talk about like the Sun Ra and it kind of exists in a world with like Lee Scratch Perry for me and that's kind of these like super eccentric um, you know musicians uh, and uh, kind of really long songs and I was supposed to like do these like visuals for Lee Scratch Perry when he was going to come to Winnipeg and play the folk festival and uh, you mentioned earlier wondering what the PR person for like Sun Ra or whatever had to deal with. I, I dealt with like the, the Lee Scratch Perry's PR person, which I found out later was, is now his wife. Uh, but yeah, he eventually like, he just never got on his plane from Switzerland and yeah, did, did, wife. yeah. And, and didn't Good come man. to Winnipeg. Yeah. Ever been to Switzerland? <clears throat> you have been to Switzerland. Yeah. A number of times. Oh, uh, women. He demanded, well, he demanded like, uh, a different flight, like right. than the one that was originally booked, because yeah. because they'd gone home, yeah. they're already in Canada. They'd gone home, and then like they wanted first class, and then they missed the flight, and then they had to buy another flight or something, and then they just never gone on it. <laughs> yeah, it was, really, it was super disappointing, but you know it was great because I, I you know the the offshoot of it was I kind of really got into like all of his music. They sent me kind of like the track list that they were gonna work with and stuff like that. And then I uh, I really wanted to watch this documentary about uh, uh, Lee Scratch Perry called The Upsetter. And uh, it occurred to me that um, it was it was made by this guy, Adam Ballalo, who uh, he may also made this, uh, this this other great film that kind of is lives in the same kind of world as like Death by Popcorn for like banned films uh, called The Carter about Lil Wayne. Oh yeah, I've, uh, I've seen that. Yeah, so I, I was programming this like documentary festival in Winnipeg, and I was like, it's like pretty late in the game, and I needed to bring another person in, and so I called him up, and uh, he came to Winnipeg, and he kind of <laughs> retold the story about how, uh, you know, how he had uh, made this film called The Carter, and that he would sold it for a million dollars, and. Uh, then on the second night of the screening at the Sundance Film Festival, Little Wayne's kind of uh, label people walked into the projection booth, pulled it out, broke it in half, and you know said, "You're never showing this film again." And uh, soon after, the people that he had signed this you know million dollar deal with, which was MTV Films, uh, they said, "Well, you don't have any of your clearances. We can't show this film." And he basically went from being like a you know just like having every dream come true to being like a broken man in like in a minute and uh it was i I was there that year and it was like it was the big kind of film you wanted to see and then it just wasn't there anymore and then i watched it you know i just downloaded it like every other film that's banned you know it's it it ends, ends up or any other film ever. Yeah, really. 
But so like the next film that he worked on was with his buddy and it was about uh, Lee Scratch Perry called The Upsetter and they just take it to like, you know, basements of like, you know, town halls and stuff like that and they show it and uh, they usually travel with it. And uh, so, yeah. So I mean, how did they make it? Did they, you said it was kind of like in the vein of Death by Popcorn, so it was all archival footage or did they? Well, The Upsetter was, was okay. Was uh, was never allowed to be shown again. That's the Little Wayne documentary. Uh, the Carter. The, the Carter, yeah. yeah. And the Upsetter was uh, the film about uh, Lee Scratch Perry. And that one, that one, he's totally fine with. And they they totally love Wayne, and or they totally love <laughs> Lee Scratch Perry, and he feels you know great about them as well. So, but the thing about the Little Wayne documentary, the Carter, is that it's like it, it's. I can kind of see why the label wouldn't want it to be shown because it's such a like, it's such like a humanist side of Lil Wayne. Like you really see like Wayne Lil Wayne's vulnerability, and it takes away all his like mystique and like the mythology behind him. And it's just like this twenty-something-year-old guy who's just on drugs all the time. He's never he's never partying. He's just like on syrup and recording like all the yeah. time. And he's on his bus or he's in the hotel room. He's nowhere else. Whereas like you want to believe or people, fans of these rappers want to believe that these guys are, you know, in the club, like doing cocaine and buying the bar and, you know, and that shit, which like, he's just not doing that whatsoever. Yeah. He's doing anything. He's not, he's not having sex with any women. Like he's just yeah surrounded by his own, like th- three or four dudes and he's just recording. Huh. He's just... He's just high. Yeah, so high on codeine the whole time. Yeah. It's like it's like me in my early twenties. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just like stayed in a dark room or wrote raps and, and drew pictures and got high. Right. And it, it's it's funny because I think the Carter in ten years from now or, or fifteen years from now, if people still talk about Lil Wayne, which I think they might, mm-hmm. it will just help to build his status right? like people love to talk about like Johnny Cash for example about yeah. Johnny Cash was just a drug addict he was down and out and they, sure they'd probably like to glamorize it you know and maybe that's the problem is this Lil Wayne documentary is, takes all the glamour out of it but you know I can't help but think that at all especially it was such a pivotal time right it was before no I know yeah like it's such a pivotal time in his career right like it, it, it's right before what it's right before he went platinum for the first time. Like yeah. he's working on the album that he went platinum on for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the one of the most amazing things was like bringing him into Winnipeg and then having him kind of like all of a sudden, you know, just show us a bunch of like raw stuff that he wasn't allowed to keep in the film in the first place. Like with like a few of his like investors, and it was like one shot where he's filming. He'd been filming him for like eight hours and. He had never acknowledged him or the camera till that point. And so he's just sitting there with the camera eight hours into it. And Wayne has never looked back at him yet, you know. And then all of a sudden he like, I, I, he was working on a rhyme or something like that. He turns around and he just like delivers this like two minute, you know, uh, freestyle rap right into the camera while he's like still playing his like NBA jam. <laughs> and it, it, it's kind of an amazing because he he played like two minutes of like him just like playing video games, and then he turns around and and kind of like breaks loose or breaks the tension for the first time. Uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. 
and then you know after that he just kind of he was kind of taught this master class Adam Ballow the director it just turned into like this is how you like these are the laws that you know all of these these companies have and this is how you get around laws and it was it was it was pretty uh, uplifting these are the kind of barricades that are put in place and these are why you should challenge them and like they will bend like a shitty cell phone company you know right you don't need to pay for, you know, ten thousand or thirty thousand dollars for like three seconds of a track. You could just, you know, use it and let them know that you're using it, and yeah, all, all sorts of stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Sun Ra. Anything more to say about Sun Ra? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just. Uh, the idea of, you know, I, I, I'm working with a bunch of kind of stuff right now and like influences and the idea of like uh, Egyptian or Mayan aliens is really kind of like uh, funny. Is that tied and, into like the like Anunnaki or anything like that? Well, yeah, I mean, a, a, a little bit. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just something that sometimes when, when you're coming up with like new ideas for like videos or films and stuff like that um it's just kind of fun stuff to explore right and it's such a i i, I just i just bought this vhs it was called munchies it was kind of like a, a shitty version of the gremlins and this like archaeologist is like discover or is going through this like mayan tomb or whatever <laughs> with like a the shittiest flashlight and he's like hey what's that over there and then it's like some this little like alien thing is like, hey, hey, you come here. And he like lifts out this little like duffel bag and like walks towards it. And the next shot is just like this like I don't know, someone's hand inside of a duffel bag and him like shaking it around. He's like, I got an alien, I got an alien. And he walks to another <laughs> like archaeologist and is like, Oh yeah, this will prove my theory about uh, you know, that the Mayan pyramids and uh Egyptian pyramids were uh you know, created by aliens. And, uh, yeah, the whole movie is like the shitty, shitty kind of like gremlin spoof and like the crappiest, uh, crappiest, you know, Damn. dolls I've ever seen in my life. The munchies. I, I, I only got about 40 min minutes into it and that, that was it. But, but yeah, yeah, when you said the munchies, I thought it was going to be like one of those VHS tapes that like your stoner friend would make of all like the highlights of TV that they would just like put together or you could watch when you get high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have a bunch of those for sure. <laughs> but no, sadly, just the tits. title. The title just just a bunch of tits. Lots of tits <laughs> and like a girl in her panties. Three seconds of like a Red Man and Method Man video. Just masturbates so furiously. <laughs> some, yeah, some French CBC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fashion file. <laughs> yeah. The early days of showcase. I was talking to a friend actually about how um, in the early days of showcase, about how so many um, like 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds became s such foreign film aficionados because they'd be watching showcase to try to find tits and they would just end up watching these artsy films from like France or wherever. Mm -hmm. 
seen like a lot of, like I saw like a lot of crazy movies that way before my time, you know. Just you're a perv. Yeah, just because I wanted to see some tits. <laughs> Ended up watching like some, you know, Godard film or something. All right, so I, I guess I'll play a song. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I'm going to play uh, an LP song, which is, uh, I played LP on the show before and I kind of uh, wish I had have found something deeper in the, in the proverbial crates, but the song is, is pretty perfect for the theme, Soldier. Um, the song is called, uh, what's it called? It's called like the Nang something, something rather. And uh, it's off LP's first album, Fantastic Damage, which is still my favorite LP record. And I think it's kind of interesting and it's, it's cool that LP is becoming um, well-known finally. It's, he's kind of becoming one of those artists where you know people who don't typically listen to rap know uh, you know which is cool or maybe not cool Patrick has a disgusted look on his face but um no I'm happy for him man well it's 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 cool like you know like I not to use the word because I kind of hate the word but it's he, he's become one of those artists that hipsters know and hipsters like right especially with like the work he did his last album uh Cancer for the Cure and the album he did with Killer Mike, uh, Run the Jewels. Um, but you know, like and Killer Mike's solo record that he produced. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's cool that he, he, people are finally starting to recognize him. Um, I was actually a, at a party on the weekend, and I was talking to someone who who doesn't typically listen to rap, and he was you know going off about how Run the Jewels is such a great album, and I asked him if he listened to Fantastic Damage, and he says, yeah, but it's it's harder it's harder to get into for him and and I can kind of see that um that aspect of like fantastic damage it's it's really noisy there's a lot of shit going on and you kind of get the feeling that LP like he's coming out of company flow and he has all these ideas that he wants to put on a record and he hasn't necessarily sorted them all out and uh it's really raw and that's kind of like why I like the album so much plus I've read in interviews that LP said that he mixed his he intentionally mixed his vocals low on this record because he was self-conscious about his voice and his raps. So he intentionally mixed his voice low, which, you know, is another reason that it's probably hard to get into for some people. Um, but yes, yeah, so the song is called, uh, the, it's called The Nang, The Front, The Bush, and The Shit, I think. My fucking stupid iPod won't show me the whole title but yeah that's what it's called and it's just about it's like it's kind of a, like LP is one of these artists where in, in some sense he's so cutting edge like in terms of his production and, and how he builds songs he's really really cutting edge but at the same time he still has these really kind of cheesy elements to his music like his some of his concepts are really cheesy especially like on it on his second solo album all sleep when you're dead. There's some like hard to listen to songs because they're they're so well produced and they're they sound so great, but it's just like you know he has a song on that album with Cage about being guards on a futuristic prison ship and he falls in love with one of the prisoners and he, they try to break out of this like right. Well, these are drugs. This is what drugs? Yeah, LP does a lot. Drugs of don't drugs. always do good things. No, he does a lot of drugs for sure. 
And um, which is, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why I could appreciate him, but also one of the reasons why I think maybe he should stop doing drugs. No, he shouldn't. But uh, yeah, so this song is like the whole song is like a metaphor for you know going to war. It's it's kind of like a throwback to like a Vietnam type type scenario, but it's like going to Vietnam, like doing a tour in Vietnam is kind of like if you want to become a professional musician, it's it's kind of like doing a tour is is like doing is kind of like doing a tour of Vietnam, and at this time he was just starting his own record label. Like he'd put out uh, the first company flow record independently. And then it got picked up by raucous. And then they put out the first record was called fun crusher. And then they, when they got picked up by raucous, they put out fun crusher plus, which was the same album with a few more songs. And I guess the, the relationship with raucous was just really horrible and it went really terrible. Even there's a line on this record where he says, signed to Rockus, I'd rather be malfucked by Nazis unconscious. And uh, so he was just starting his own label, Def Jux, which, you know, they put out a lot of great... Got sued by Def Jam. Yeah, they, they got sued by Def Jam for using the term Def, so they had to change it to Definitive Jux. And they put out a lot of great music, but they just maybe wasn't being run properly, because they just, you know... You know, even though like they they were putting out Aesop rock records, which were like for underground records, were selling like a crazy amount of records. And then there, you know, there was the uh, the LP records and the Cannibal Ox's first album probably sold really well. But I guess they were also putting out a lot of shit that didn't sell. So maybe that was their problem. Um, yeah, so it eventually tanked, and I don't even know what label LP is on now, but it's definitely not Def Jux. But yeah, so I don't know. Let's listen to the song. It's called uh, The Nang, The Nang, The Bush, The Front, and The Shit. No, no, no. The Nang, The Front, The Bush, and The Shit. The song is called The Bang, The Bush, The Bush, and The Front, The Shit. Oh, one of my favorite moments in this song is uh, the, the halfway through the beach switches up and it just becomes faster. And it's LP and he, he refers to himself as... Um, that group ELP, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and he refers to himself as that, which I kind of appreciate. It's a funny joke. Funny jokes thrown in there. The bang, the, 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 bang, the bush, the, the push, the, the front, the, the blunt, the mush. Pass me the tiger piss. I tunnel ran to the hidden habitats of Kalas, Dog, Inferno. No turning path back. The half man have orders to burn the village and get out with both hands intact. I'm not a mechanism born from the stain. I had to be trained. Now I can't call with dead walkers. I sent a postcard from the Nang. If I can get onto the roof in time to hang from the leg of this last chopper. Son of an obese, burn up a turban, grow in the road, rotating bug runners. And others modified crime and make nasty tongue plunge. Headshot. Right opposite of chameleon plants. Cardinal dreadnoughts. There's a trash side of cyberwide test on the track. Just go to my bar fight before I had a chance to take my life back. And it's a bar band to survive. Where I'm at. At the recruiter's office. Learning how to get ahead of advertising. He said, sure, others have passed. This is the gate to definition. But that's not the singular attraction to the setup. Not the action of the sacrifice. The path draft these. Actually more of a layaway duckers plan. But young get up and go out motivated. 
Made a new soldier, small and different from the antiquated taste of hate. hate. But I came from out the nonsense on a D train to the lobby. See, academics play second on my life, no matriculated brain hobbies. Not my dedication in rags, plus my training. Cross is not a big problem, it's all about what I began. We don't get power, respect, an audience, a check, a car, money for school, honey with uniform, fetish on the tool. Travel for bonds, be part of something, have a structure. Cash bullets, cash I make cash bonus. See this gold black, you could own it. Killing half a million It's such a good feeling To earn your country's respect and love So when you say son you my man Fuck you sign me up Rock, rock, B-boy Rock, rock, rock man Thank <laughs> you. 
That was the front, the bush, and the shit, and the nang, and all those things by LP off Fantastic Damage. So, uh, what'd you guys think? <laughs> wow, right? Yeah, all wrapped up into one. Yeah, um, uh, so that was about soldiers. Being a soldier, being a rap soldier. Yeah, I mean, I get, yeah, okay. I never fucked around with his solo records too much, but uh, if you were to do that now, if he came out with that song now, I would never listen to another one of his songs again, uh, just based off the concept. But yeah, I mean, I get it. You know what, like, uh, underground rap... Underground rap, uh, rappers have made so many dumb songs about stupid things because I guess, you know, you feel so... You're such an outsider and you feel... You feel... Even though you know you make weird music, you still feel so let down by the fact that no one would listen to you and you just make all these strange songs about... But I totally get it. Am I making any sense? Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, no. I get, I get what you're saying. I think it's, I think it's a dumb concept, too. And I'm, I'm not sure how I would feel if I heard it now. And I think out of like, Fantastic Damage is one of those records. I think that as a whole, it's, it's great. But when you start plucking elements out of it. And just like, oh, listen to this song. Isn't this amazing? It, it doesn't translate as well. I think the, like it, it, all, it all has this cohesive sound through it that, you know, for the time, it, nothing else... I mean, to this day, nothing else sounds like it. Mm. Like, it's, it's fucking crazy. And I think also, like, because... I, I don't know about you, Patrick, but, like... In the '90s, like Company Flow, to me was just this f- f- like amazing group that was making music that was so cool and out there. And it was like when I first got introduced to it, it was kind of like you know, it was kind of a gateway into all this kind of underground shit that I wasn't aware of before. And so I was really following Company Flow. Like the first, the first piece of vinyl I ever bought was Company Flow end to end burners, twelve inch. Mm-hmm. And then so when Fantastic Damage came out, like, I was so pumped about it. I was so, like, I, I listened to it so many times, and it was, it was so um, important to me, I think, in, in, in a really formative time of my life. And so I, I understand, like, looking back on it now, I can't, I, I understand that the elements of it are really cheesy and kind of, kind of that, un- that underground rap kind of mentality where you're kind of like maybe smarter than, or maybe not, not necessarily smarter than so-called mainstream artists, but you're not so willing to go along with the grain and you're fighting up against the grain and you're kind of building up this, your own, in your own head, how oh, life is so hard, everything is against you and you're kind of 
Right, you've, you've, you're kind of this soldier of light that's fighting for truth, and you know, and it's like kind of silly and, and dumb, but well, everyone's at the beach in the sun, and, and you're, you're in, in the fucking shade, swimming the opposite way against the current in the shitty river. Right? Yeah, with your shirt on. Yeah, and yeah. you're doing and you and you're doing really cool shit, but no one notices, and you're yeah, like, oh, no... they wouldn't get it anyways. <clears throat> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I never listened to Comfy Flow. Really, I mean, I listened to it because other people were so into it, and it just wasn't didn't do a lot for me. But I, but I get what like they were doing. I mean, even that new Big Just record, I was like, oh, maybe I can now I can maybe listen to this. And then it's just like that's why I text you, and I'm like, hey man, maybe this is right up your alley because mm-hmm. not up your alley. Uh, not that I don't appreciate it because I do, but well. Uh, yeah. And and maybe maybe like growing up on rap when it was very simple and like uh, has had something to do with that. But like, well, I think kind of company flow might have been the first. And I might come off as an asshole saying this, but that whole school of rap was was so tied into like the arts art scene and like. In New York, and that art scene was like based in like graffiti and that kind of shit. And so it was the this kind of they were trying to make something deep and complex out of something that was essentially simple. Like if you t- if you take about if you think about graffiti, like graffiti at first was just about writing your name to to get up, and then it became you know all these like you know there's all these arrows going everywhere, and it was like the arrows. Yeah, there's so many it's arrows. Like Czechos Republic, uh, Czech Republic uh, traffic sign. Yeah, it was like it was like the uh, the uh, confusion corner tra- traffic sign. That's what graffiti became. Where is that? Um, I don't. I think if I think if you're coming down like Pemina towards. Confusion Corner. There's that like sign that has like all these arrows going I'm everywhere. Never been there. You never been on Pemina. I can believe that you've never been on Pemina. You probably wouldn't fit in. Or not dollar store there? I've I take it back. There is. There I've is. heard about the dollar store. A lot of people have been telling me to go to the dollar store, but I'm not sure. I'll check it out one day. I saw Mr. Jet's TV at that dollar <laughs> store yesterday, actually. Like you saw the dude? Or like yeah, the dude. Stock, in, the, stock, in the parking lot. Shelves? In the parking lot. Trying having to like an argue, argument. With some... Yeah, I don't know. I, I like got into my car and I like popped... I like got in and I have these like power mirrors. So I like changed the mirror. And I was like <laughs> kind of watching and he was... He was not happy about something, and he was with someone way younger than him. And of course, he was. Yeah, Mr. Jets TV. That the, guy's—I like, can't believe that guy's so free. Yeah, he's well. He's the provincial, uh, you know, uh, ambassador now for the, you know, the province, the ambassador of culture. And, yeah. Uh, so he just came back from Regina. They were doing a, a big. They were doing a ceremony there where. Um, he was with uh, Rough Rider uh, Radio Man, and uh, so Mr. Jets TV, Rough Rider Radio Man, they were having a little bit of a get-together. Yeah, probably an arm wrestle, you're right. Some uh, smokies on the barbecue. <laughs> sure. Tailgating outside of, uh, fuck, like, uh, Wendy's in a, park, in a like, suburban parking lot outside of the Walmart in Regina. 
I can. We can only hope. They they probably they probably <laughs> they probably went in, bought a, like a, one of those forming grills, mm. came out, cooked a bunch of hot dogs, and then took the forming grill back, got their yeah. money back. That's it, because they didn't clean all the chemicals off it. Yeah. What if uh, Mr. Jet's TV is kind of saying backup to uh, your old buddy uh, Kelly J. DeVoe? That's weird. Well, aren't they the same person? <laughs> I know, I know. That's <laughs> it, it, it's true. But at least, like, Mr. Jets, I think, is aware of how sleazy he is. Right. Whereas Kelly J. DeVoe maybe thinks he's a regular rock and roll guy. Yeah, that's kind of the, the most, that's the saddest and most charming part, I think, of him. The, like, being completely, you know, unself-aware. Mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> Mr. Jets TV must be a little bit like the, the, the guy you don't see in the porno, like the guy just talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so how old are you? When's the first time you gave a job? I don't want to know that. I don't know when the first time you gave a job. Yes, that's inappropriate. Especially <laughs> right, out, right outside of the Dollarama. Are you yeah. talking about when you're watching porn <laughs> and one of the porn actors asks, asks one of the actresses when the first time they gave a blowjob was, and that's inappropriate. That's over the line for you. <laughs> I think so. It's just like I don't want to know. Well, I don't want to know about you as a human being. I'm trying to objectify you. Right well, now. no, but I just think that's really inappropriate because it's like. She's like, whatever she says, right? She's like, ah, I was 15 or whatever. It's like, oh. And I was like, run away from home because yeah, my parents were alcoholics and they were beating each other. It's awful. That's not... You don't like, want to know guess, the like, history of your getting porn stars. Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Confusion corner will take you to a weird place. That's the kind of moral of the story there. Awful, awful. Let's uh, break out those... Uh, Temptations. Those, those you guys whiskers. feel down. <laughs> Need some protein? <laughs> With chlorophyll. Clean my teeth. Chlorophyll. Why is there chlorophyll in here? I don't know. I guess it's good. Cats eat grass, man. Oh! Most cats don't go outside. There you go. Uh, complete oral care. Mm-hmm. Dentabites. Helps yeah. remove plaque and tartar buildup. It- also, get your cat to do weird things. Bag shake. Yeah. Uh, when you were saying that with the with the LP shit, <clears throat> Emerson, I think Mike and Palmer. I think with uh, it's not like I'm just listening to old school simple rap or something, but like I don't know. I guess, and not that I don't didn't wasn't listening to strange music. So I, I definitely listen to a lot of free jazz and things. It was just that. I don't know. Just it's still to this day. I just. I don't know. It might be. It might be like a, like an era thing too, right? Because like when when I first heard Company Flow, like the most underground shit I was into was like Black Star, you know, like. So. That's what that. That's what's wrong with you. That is what's wrong with me, right? Well, what I was, I was like grade, I was in grade like eleven when I heard Company Flow for the first time. Right. So it was, and well, I was, you know, I was really into fucking Kill a Priest, <laughs> and uh, that first Kill a Priest record is so I'm, weird and awesome. It's my, my, it's my top five favorite records for sure. Yeah, it holds up. 
It's so weird, though. It's so... He's so into Jesus. It's, the weird things he says. It's amazing. He's so... Yeah, like... Because he's like... You can tell he's really well-read and he's really... No, he rapes fat women at bars in Canada. So a priest, is that what happened when he was here? Yeah. That's unfortunate. Not just in Winnipeg, but other cities. Is what I heard as well. It was a common theme on that tour. That sucks. Yeah. Was that the like what was on the back of the shirt? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, the killer priest rapes women at the bar tour. Yeah. No. I. Whatever. I'm not laughing at that. Yeah, that's what he was, he was apparently doing uh, on the Ghostface tour. The last Ghostface tour. Yeah. And we were, we were standing we were standing really close to him and Cass leaned in and was like he's like he's like okay, the priest keeps pulling before he went on stage he's like he keeps pulling out a weird like bottle from his vest and feeding it to those those women he's like he's not drinking it Ugh. and this is like early in the night and, and he I, was and I remember like because I remember Part of the draw for me to that show, I mean, other than the ghost face, was that Killer Priest was there, and I was like, I was such a fan of Killer Priest. Not Sleek Leech? Not so much. No? Not so much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then they were like, oh, Killer Priest, you know, has the flu, he's not going to be here. And then all of a sudden he's there, and he did maybe a song and a half. He got the Magic Johnson drugs. I wonder if he was just like, like... That was, that was such a weird tour, like Ghostface Killer with all these weird fucking people. Well, yeah, you're like, oh, like I'm gonna get, like I'm gonna get to see Killer Priest. Yeah. Cool, man. Maybe he's gonna rock a bunch of those jams on yeah. his first record. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then he does like two Wu Tang songs, and and then one like he, Jesus just, song. He raps like an Inspector Deck verse, and then. Uh... <laughs> it was brutal. Like. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he was just busy poisoning people, and then all the cops poured in, and there's that looking for him. There's that the cops pulled in looking for Killer Priest. Like thirty cops filled the filled the venue. I think I like, left by that point. Pulled him out, and and uh, a woman, one of the friends of one of those women, went to the bouncer and was like, "My friend was hanging with that guy." And now she can't stand up. Jesus. And, uh... That's fuck. What, like, ugh. Um, I don't understand. Well, what, I don't even want to get into this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The same thing happened with J.Ru when he was here, right? And then, like, I heard all these rumors about J.Ru in the... And then I didn't want to believe them. I was like, oh, whatever. People just talk so much shit. But then I, like, talked to someone who was there when it happened, and I was like... So disappointed, like, ah, whatever. This is. There was that article. There was that article in XXL magazine years ago where Jayru. It's about diets and what rappers eat, and Jayru talked about how he picks one thing to eat per month. He was a vegetarian as well, but he picks one thing to eat a month, and that's all he eats, and and he's like. For instance, this month all I ate is potatoes, and that's all <laughs> that's I eat. That's not true. You know, imagine the worms you would get from that. That's madness. That's it's like 
No wonder you, you would got die. crazy. Have you seen uh, Jeru also re- like uh, recently? Uh, Matt, uh, who who manages uh, Bad Bed Not Good, uh, sent us email with this weird hip hop email f- cycle thing, and and he sent uh, uh, fucking pictures of Jer's new thing where he's a fashion photographer and and it's so insane like he's just just taking so many like... pictures of Afura <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so crazy and like his you know his requirements you know he's just, it's just, just a trying to get fucked on the internet yeah. or whatever but if all, mm-hmm. all he eats is potatoes for a month you're going to lose your mind. Can you imagine what your shit would be like? Oh, we're going to go crazy. Yeah. It would just be brown mashed potatoes. <laughs> Disgusting. There was, uh, there was this, like, huh? this like Swedish band in town, and um, they were, whatever, they are all going to pick, and they got a bunch of menus, and then the one singer said, I let the universe decide what I eat, and he throws, like, a dart, or if he doesn't have a dart, he'll flick a penny or something like that onto a menu, and that's what he must eat that day. And he got duck feet, and he was going to get, he had the Ken's menu. <laughs> so uh, Joanne Rodriguez had to go get, you know, this food. Went to Ken's, no duck feet. But the universe, you know, requires him to eat duck feet. So he, she ended up having to go to uh, that place right between uh, the McLaren and uh, Pacific. Mm-hmm. And uh, get that a bunch sushi of, restaurant. Yeah, yeah, well, not not Yuki Sushi, but oh, okay. there's like a place in there that is was oh that yet to be oh, named the, uh, the the grocery market there. Right? Yeah, it's a restaurant now, and okay. got got like a big kind of like uh, ice cream pail of uh, boiled duck feet, <laughs> and this guy just sat there and ate you know twenty duck feet before his show, and he was sorry. Who was this guy? Not a lot of duck feet. No, no. Um, Scandinavian. Minor rock star. There's so many problems with that theory of his. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, There's that whole shit too, where like, uh, I'm just gonna point my erection at whatever girl in the universe will dictate that I have sex with that girl. Yeah, be a virgin man. There's that whole thing too, where you 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 take like a, a grocery item and you hold it out, and if your arm falls, or if it Stays. You. That's how. That's how you decide decides it's organic or not. Whether your body craves it or needs it. Hmm. And when I worked at this health food uh, store on Corden in the nineties, this this woman would come in all the time, and she would do this fucking thing. And and anytime she'd hold up a veg. Let's say when her arm falls, that means her body doesn't want. Hold up a vegetable, arm falls. Hold up a bag of rice, arm falls. Hold up a thing of ice cream, arm shakes, whatever. Right. Like, and, and then she would just go through the till with like three, four hundred dollars of like, just fucking like junk, like health junk food, right? Right. But, you know, it's like, I guess if that's what you have to do to yourself. You I know. like the, the hardest time I have in life is because I wish I think we talked about this when you were on the show last Patrick like I I wish I could like subscribe to more things so I could be more disciplined in my life but I have the I have I find like I have a really hard time lying to myself I mean not to say that I don't like obviously 
you have to to get by. But like, how do these people convince themselves of this shit so like wholeheartedly? You know, like, huh. like what's like someone who's like really you know Christian or something? You know, like, or uh, fuck, I don't know. It's when you're like, yeah, I think you have to be like have a period in your life where you're so disenchanted with the kind of world that you live in that you're like willing to accept the next thing that comes through that door. Even if it's like, I've got to dig my own well in my backyard and I'm going to grab a A&W cup and sink it down to the bottom and drink whatever comes up. You know, you're it, it's funny because a lot of these people who are like we're talking about are probably people who are down and out and they just need something to grasp onto and if they don't grasp onto it maybe they won't survive or whatever but it also seems like a trait of really successful people like successful people they don't maybe they don't need that hitting rock bottom but like it's like they attach themselves to something and they just you know follow it through and they just they believe in it so hard and it's gonna have it's like the, it's like the secret right like it's just it's just so weird to me. Like you're you're just so focused on on one thing, and whatever goes wrong, it's just you know like you can fit it into your theory of of why it went wrong. Like well, you can justify anything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that sort of positive like attitude, or you know, nothing affects your your world. I guess. Ooh, speaking of positive attitudes, <laughs> well, you're an expert on this on the subject. Should I play my next song? Well, yeah, sure. It's going to be the last song of the episode, so um, we have to uh, thank everybody for listening. Um, so yeah, just before you introduce the next song, uh, you've been listening to Witch Police Radio. You can uh, download. All our episodes at uh, Um We also air on UMFM on Monday nights at 11 p.m. If you are not living in Winnipeg or the Winnipeg area, then you can you can listen to UMFM by streaming on their website, which I don't know for a fact, but I assume is umfm.com or Google that shit. Um, you can also find us at. Um, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash, I don't even know what it is, We Are The Witch Police, I think, or Witch Police Radio. You can find us on Twitter at Witch Police FM. You can find Patrick Skeen on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Pipskid. Sounds like a waste of time. Or you can find him on Twitter, at Pipskid. And you can find me, Rob Crooks, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash robcrooksmusic. Or on Twitter at Rob Crooks. Or on the internet at www.robcrooks.com. And our guest tonight, again, was Mike Marinick, filmmaker. And you can find... His work on his Vimeo page is that the best place to go? Yeah. And what's the? What, how can you find the Vimeo page again? Yeah, it's just uh, Vimeo and Mike Marinick and uh, and spell Marinick because it's always M-A- tricky. Yeah, for sure. 
M-A-R-Y-N-I-U-K. And I suggest that you check out his stuff because it's really cool. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show and and playing stuff. Yeah, no, it was fun. I'm, I'm staring at those temptations still. But... Yeah, I mean, go nuts. <laughs> hold, you got you to hold it up. You know, I don't want you to get sick. You got to hold it up, and if your arm drops it, you don't need it. But if yeah, you can yeah. hold your arm up, then you need it. Oh, good. Sounds good. And so, yeah, so Patrick, uh, you can introduce our final song of the night. For the day. Who the fuck knows when people are listening to this fucking shitty podcast? Yeah. Uh, so this is this is one of my other favorite grant, uh, uh, groups. There's been so much rap on this episode. I was just gonna say, normally maybe I wouldn't. It, it's strange that I picked two rap songs. Me too. I was telling Mike that like I usually try to not pick because it's so easy to to just pick a rap song like. But uh, I try to, and then like when Sam and John, the other hosts, are here, they're they're not as big into rap as me or Pat are, so they usually don't pick rap songs. And I, a song that occurred to me, so so last second for me f- picking songs, but a song that occurred to me that that is a huge war song, the uh, song that I relate to war, is the Majmal, the Mash theme song. The, uh, right, the suicide, yeah. Suicide's suicide is famous. But then when I was working at Tell's Poppy, because I used to start my DJ sets with that when I lived in Halifax, which would make people furious, which I think is a great way to start a dance floor. And, and then, uh, but then somehow people kind of got on to that song or something, and you know how that is, like with the main, with the underground. People ruin shit. You got to fucking swim backwards can, with can, your shirt on. Can I say something? Mm. Because we were talking about uh, Urban Outfitters right. earlier, and um, Bad Brains has a shirt too, apparently. Yeah, and, um, and Wu Tang. Uh, because like I was, uh, I had I had this Wu Tang shirt that I bought at uh, the Wu Tang concert in Minneapolis, and it was like their first tour after ODB died, and it was like one of the best shows I've ever went to. It was like Capadonna was there. It was like it was really great, and I you know I had to buy the classic Wu Tang shirt, like all black with the yellow Wu Tang symbol. And, like, I bought it, but I just, like, never wore it because, like, I, I hated the the attention it attracted. Like, I, I hated the people who would come and talk to me about, oh, like, nice Wu-Tang shirt. Just, like, just so ignorant fucking retards. And so, like, the other day, like, just recently I was wearing it and I was like, oh, man, I love this shirt. Like, it's such a nice shirt. Like, fuck everyone else. I'm just going to wear this shirt. So I wore this shirt and, like, I ended up at a party and this this girl, like, She's like, oh, hey, you're wearing that Wu-Tang shirt. My friend was wearing that earlier. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And then uh, I didn't think about it. And then later on, like, this girl, I guess, the girl that she was talking about comes up. And she's got, like, this really, like, sexy, like, shirt that's, like, showing her breasts and, like, like and her midriff. And it's got the Wu-Tang symbol. It's the same shirt I'm wearing. I'm just like, I, I don't want this to go any further. And I just zipped up my jacket. <laughs> And yeah, she bought that shirt at uh, Urban Outfitters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I steal your steam a little bit? No, no. Okay. I, I bought a, a Young T Raps shirt at Urban Outfitters like in the West Edmonton Mall and, like on tour sometime when I found $60 on the floor at the like, Foot Locker. And that's how you spent <laughs> it on your UMTV rap shirt? Oh, well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's not a bad purchase, I gotta admit. West Edmonton just... Mall. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's wearing a West Edmonton Mall hat. <laughs> there you go. 
so uh, one of the one of, one of the best one of the best rap duos of all time, Untouchable. EPMD. Oh no, sorry. EPMD definitely. <laughs> EPMD. Uh, I I would put it. I would put the MOP in with EPMD, and maybe the you know. I guess if you if I don't look at Public Enemy as a rap duo. No, definitely but, not. Uh, yeah, EPMD and MOP are are the, two of the best to ever do it. Uh, and MOP, you know, they have their formula. They keep doing it. MOP again, very real. Uh, what what they say, you 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 believe it. Mm -hmm. And uh, from Brownsville, I believe, mm -hmm. in uh, New York, one of the most notorious sort of neighborhoods. Uh, this this record came out in 1996, and uh, was produced by by DJ Premier. Something great, I think. Uh, just talking about liner notes. Something fantastic in these liner notes is. Uh, of the fucking graphics and layout are awful. But uh, uh, Little Fame's thank yous go on forever. And then Billy Dean Dan's just says, Thanks to my moms, I love you. <laughs> what a sweetheart. Uh, and there were kids, there were kids back then, and fuck man, they were wrapped. Uh, yeah, these guys, like, no one. No one sounds like MOP, and if you do, it's you're so biting. obvious that you're biting. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go again with the title track, Firing Squad. When I thought of the word soldier, it was confusing to me. I don't want to be literal. I don't want to, uh, you know, you could play all kinds of no limit soldiers or soldier boy or like. Uh, I was thinking about playing Sister Soldier. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was gonna bring my sister soldier book, there in fact, go. and read excerpts from it. You fucking should. Uh, but uh, uh, there, you know, there's so many, so many things you can do with rap and soldiers. But uh, yeah, man, MOP or MOP are soldiers. And they're like uh, weird street soldiers. And, uh. Yeah, they're amazing. And, uh, Tell us what MOP stands for. Terrifying. The mashup posse. Explain to the people what that means. <laughs> well, uh, and uh, MOP are famous for anti up, which which is a you know a great song. What were we talking about before? MOP or a, a lot of uh, most people know rappers. And their street tales of selling drugs, but MOP were were came from the school of stick up kids, where uh, which a little more intense than selling drugs, but it's it's you know short term money, so where, where you stick up, money. stick up the the drug the drug dealer has tons of money on them. Five minutes, you could take what it took them a month to earn. So. Yeah, I mean, like that was made uh, famous on Only Built for Cuban Links, right? Just yeah. 
So uh, yeah, I'm up here, stick up kids, and 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 that's their that's their 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 direction. Now they're old, and they still do the same thing, and it's you know, it works. And, uh, yeah, da 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 da. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, uh, uh, Patrick Skeen is our, our guest host today, and he'll probably uh, be a guest host again. Mike Marinick was our uh, awesome guest, and hopefully he'll be a guest again. And this is uh, MOP, Firing Squad. Thanks for listening.